I've entitled my message, What You See is What You Worship. What you see is what you worship. Bless you, Lindsay. Um, just want to acknowledge Lindsay here. Um, Lindsay is um, one of the key leaders of uh, uh, Maui Fellowship that uh, meets regularly at her home, actually. And uh, so we praise God for that. Look, what you see is what you worship. I want to take you to the uh, three wise men, right, in the story of uh, Jesus. Now, the story in the context is probably Jesus. Um, I know when in the nativity scene, we see the three wise men at the manger, but this was probably not so, right? Uh, Jesus was probably between the age of one to two by the time the three wise men reached where Jesus was. Um, so let me take you first to Matthew chapter 2. Um, and we'll read the first two verses. And then I want to make some comments and then we'll move on from there. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. We have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Um, how did they see the Christ? They were so far away from all the happenings that was going on. But they said, we saw him. We saw the star and we knew it was him. The king of the Jews has been born. Where is he? Assuming, of course, the Jews themselves would have known better. Right? So here, he, here they are coming to them. Um, and how did they see Christ? I suggest to you, it's because they were in a habit of looking for God. This was, the, I, I suggest that. I, I, one day I'm going to catch up with them and chat with them, but I assume they were in a habit of looking for God in every circumstances in their lives, right? But all the chief priests and all the scribes were then coming together and having a hui and talking about what's, what did they just see? What's going on here? Right? The King Herod is saying, come on guys, we should know this stuff, right? And they go back to scriptures which, they should, which should have been filling their hearts, which should have told them Christ is born. They, of all people in the world, all right, they are professionals in this. They should have been the ones who had known Jesus is born or the, the Messiah has come, all right? But they, well, you see, they weren't looking for the Christ. How did these three wise men notice and see? They were looking for it, right? And sometimes I think we are too busy to look for God in, in our circumstances. Yeah. Someone said this, um, the acronym for busy, right? Being under Satan's yoke. People ask me all the time, hey, uh, how's your week? Busy? So now I'm going to stop saying that. <laughs> oh, well, you're under Satan's yoke. <laughs> so next time I give you permission, next time I say it was a busy week, you can tell me, oh, you come out of his yoke. <laughs> but it is a common thing to say. Look, you'll say to me, nothing wrong with busyness. Well, I'll tell you something. There's a difference between toiling and tilling the ground. Right? Genesis chapter 3 says, that if you're toil toiling, is going to lead to nothing, right? 
um, that was the curse of Adam. He was going to toil in the land, and all he was going to produce was thorns and thistles. Toiling will produce thorns and thistles. Just because we are busy doesn't mean we are fruitful. The big difference between pro producing, right? So people say, I've had a productive week. That's good. But was it a fruitful week? There's a difference between being productive and fruitful, right? A rich man can be productive all his life and he can see it in his massive mansions, can see it in everything that he has and the wealth that he has. He may have been productive, but if he did that at the expense of his family, his health, and the well-being of his community, then he has been productive, but not fruitful. Can you see the difference? Right? So, being busy? Well, ask yourself, are you being fruitful in your activities in life? How do I know if I'm going to be fruitful? I'm just going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Right? Abide in Him. Keep my eyes on Jesus. How did these guys um, see the Messiah? They were looking out for Him in their daily happenings. We now have God in a nice, beautiful package. You know, just like if we package everything in our lives, we package God, right? So you've got this set time for daily devotion. 15 minutes a day, one hour a day, right? So we've got a set time for daily devotions. We've got, in fact, nice little word for today packages, right? Uh, verse for today packages. Um, we've got Radio Rima, who just helps us while we are on the road to do the devotions, right? Um, we've got Bible in audio, uh, then we come on a Sunday and we pack it really with just one hour of packed, intentional encounters with God. Now, am I criticizing these things? No, I, I, I love these things. These are great tools for us as we connect to God. They are great tools. I think no generation has ever had these wonderful tools that have made it so easy to connect with God. But this is the problem. If we have packaged God and boxed Him only into those set places, then we leave the home after an hour of wonderful time with God and say, okay, God, see you soon. I've got to go to work. And then we leave God in our little devotional package and we go out there to do our busy schedule. Then when we come back home, hopefully we pick Him up again and say, how was your day, Lord? I had a tough day. In fact, it was a lousy day. I'm sure you had a good day because you live in heaven. I think that's the change that needs to happen in 2022, guys. We unpack God from His package and actually live with Him through our day. Because if we keep assigning God to a space in our lives, no wonder God's not relevant at our workplace. No wonder God's not relevant in our relationships. No wonder God is irrelevant in the real world. Because we packed him up and put him into little spaces in our lives. The psalmist, of course, saw God everywhere. Right? Psalm 19, 1-2 The heavens declare the glory of God 
the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Isn't that amazing? That we've actually boxed knowledge and revelation into science, right? Evidence, nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only way we get our knowledge, if evidence, um, something that can be proven, something that's tangible, something that can be touched, what I see is what I believe in. If that's the only source of our knowledge and revelation, my friends, we are an ignorant group of people. Because there's knowledge and revelation outside of what we can see, touch, feel, and taste. Right? Here's the psalmist. He looks up and he sees the glory of God. Here's the psalmist. He looks at the firmament and he sees the handiwork of God. He looks every day. He's listening for the uttering of the speeches of God in his life. Every night, he's looking and listening to the revelation and knowledge of God in his life. The psalmist saw God every day. Jesus invites us to see God in the lilies of the valley, invites us to see God in the birds that we see flying around us, right? Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 30. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the valley, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now God so clothes the grass of the field which today is, Tomorrow is thrown into the oven. He will not, how much more will he clothe you or you of little faith? The invitation Jesus is saying is, you see the birds flying around? Did you hear what you saw there? Did you hear from what you're seeing there? Right? You look at the lilies of the valley. Can you hear what they're saying over there? Right? Nature itself speaking to us. Right? Into our, the main cause of our anxiety. What am I going to eat? Will I have enough food for next year? Will I have enough money for in two years time? Will I have good clothes? Will I have shelter? The main cause of anxiety in the world today, right? And counselors make plenty of money. Thank you very much, right? And yet, we are still anxious. All you got to do is go and listen to the birds. They'll tell you, trust God. All you got to do is take a look at the lilies and the beautiful flowers out there and they tell you, trust God. Rita and I just came back from the South Island. Man, I think God lives there. <laughs> we had a wonderful time, eh? We, there was a spot that we were looking at and it was so serene and quiet. And I just stood there listening. Mountains lakes, you can hear literally, you can hear worship and you say, hey Andrew what's happened and you become a new ager 
God is trying to speak. He's trying to say a word. To drop something in our spirit. But we are so busy thinking. We are so busy talking. We are so busy doing. He can't get a word into our lives. The question is not about why God aren't you speaking to me. The question is, am I listening? So what you see is what you will bow down to. What you see is what you worship. The three wise men, they were looking for God. And they said, we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Herod saw something else. We move on in verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. When he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child. When you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. You know, I know, he had no intention to worship the Christ. Right? If he did, he would have dropped everything and followed these wise men to go and see the Christ. Sometimes the, the excuses we give... Um, tell about who we, uh, what's going on in our lives, right? But here he is, right? My concern actually this morning is to look at what did Herod see? Because my thought this morning is, what you see is what you will worship. What you see is what you will bow down to. What did Herod see, right? It says when Herod, when Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. What did Herod see? Why was he troubled? That phrase, king of the Jews, that troubled him. Because who was king at that time? He was king. He was barely holding on to his kingship because the, Roman, the Romans decided who king, the king of the Jews would be. Right? It was the emperor who would sanction who is king and who is not king. So here's Herod barely holding on to his kingship, right? Trying to navigate through this difficult relationship with the, with the empire, right? And then suddenly he's hearing there's another king, someone else is born, king of the Jews, right? So he's troubled. When did you see the star? Because he wants to know how old this, this kid is, right? How long does he have? Is how, how quickly must he act before he loses his kingship. Why was Jerusalem troubled? You see, the city got so used to being comfortable in their lifestyle, right? Just playing the game that Rome, Roman required them to play. And Herod did it marvelously. Herod had negotiated a lifestyle where the Romans would leave them alone so that they could go about their own lifestyle, right? So why was Jerusalem troubled? 
Well, they had seen this entourage of people coming. All right? They had looked at the Jerusalem Herald, and the third page was, all right, kingmakers have come to make a new king. That will trouble you if you're comfortable with your lifestyle. That will trouble you. Change is coming again. I can't handle change again. I cannot handle the change in um, government laws and decisions that they are making. Change is coming. My whole life is going to be upset. Jerusalem was troubled. What did they see? They saw an end to their lifestyle that they had gotten so used to. That troubles people all the time. When the end of our lifestyle is there, right? We're so used to the way we live this way. Things are changing. We get troubled. Now, this season that we're living in, a lot has been changing. Right? As a church, we've got to navigate, you know, between alert levels, now between traffic lights, we just navigate, right? Um, the, the church leadership always get emails from me. Um, they're flooded with emails from me. Hey guys, this is a decision we need to make. Quick, answer. <laughs> he was troubled. Jerusalem was troubled. What was troubling them? It was their heart, you see. It's a condition of our hearts that really troubles us. I put this statement down here. I don't know how you'd, you'd see it. This is what I feel. A troubled heart is an indication of defective worship. Let me say this again. A troubled heart is an indication of defective worship. See, when my heart is troubled, I always say to myself, I'm probably looking at the wrong thing right now. That's why my heart is in trouble. If I'm looking at something wrong, right? if I'm looking at the wrong thing, chances are, what I look at is what I will bow down to. What I look at is what I'll be worshipping. And if, I, if my heart is troubled, it's because my focus has shifted. I'm probably focusing on something and making that bigger than God. I'm probably magnifying a problem, making it bigger than God. When anything is bigger than God, your heart will be troubled. Thank God for a troubled heart. Because the troubled heart is, is this... this Alert, this alarm that, that indicates emergency, evacuate, emergency, evacuate. A troubled heart is telling me I'm looking at something wrong. I'm focusing at something apart from God. A troubled heart is telling me my problems have become larger than God. No wonder my heart is troubled. So I say this again. A troubled heart is an indication of defective worship. I've got to address the situation. Jeremiah puts it this way. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways. Right? What Jeremiah is saying, the context of what Jeremiah is saying is this. Right? It was a context of trust. Because a few verses before, he says this, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Two verses later, he says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. And then two verses later, he says, 
the heart is deceitful. Because the heart will convince me if I'm not trusting in the Lord, if I'm not leading in the Lord, the heart will convince me of my troubles. I will magnify my troubles. I'll make my troubles bigger than God. And I'll start leaning on man or leaning on my own wisdom. And that is carnage. Because that's what Herod did. And if you look at Herod's life, he, he put in place things that caused great carnage in that city. So let me say this again. A troubled heart is an indication of a defective worship. So what do you do when your heart is troubled? What do you do when your heart is troubled? Do you keep on troubling your heart? Or do you go to Christ and you deal with this defective focus in your life? Are you listening to what your troubled heart is saying this morning? It's demanding you to refocus on Jesus Christ, your Lord. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. The antidote for a troubled heart is rest in Jesus Christ. The wise men saw Christ. They made him their focus. They searched, they found him, and they worshipped him. Herod saw trouble. They, he made it, he made that his focus. He focused on it, and he ended up creating carnage in the city. The story of Christmas, my friends, is full of those who saw Christ. Last year we had the nativity scene here. This year it's not here. But you know what the nativity scene is, right? You've got the shepherds there. You've got, of course, you've got Mary, you've got Joseph, you've got the shepherds, you've got the wise men, right? All congregating and focusing on Jesus. Every time you see the nativity scene, remember this. Everyone standing there focused on Christ. Mary, she saw the angel. And what did she do when she saw the angel? She bowed down to God and she said, Let it be to me according to your word. Joseph, she, he saw in his dream three times God speaking to him through angelic voice. And what did he do? He obeyed the voice of God. He bowed down to the one that he focused on. The angels, they, the, the shepherds, they saw angels. They heard the songs. What did they do? They responded to the words of the angels. They go and focus themselves to Jesus, bow down and worship him. The wise men, they see a star. What do they do? They go and search Christ out, bow down and worship him. There's a reason why the nativity scene has lasted for 2,000 years. The reason is this. It's a reminder to every one of us what are you seeing? What is your focus? If you shift your sight and focus from Christ, it's only going to lead to carnage in your life. But if you shift your focus back to Christ, it will lead you to eternal life. Who are you seeing? What do you focus on your everyday life? Remember this. What you see 
is what you will worship. Tomorrow morning, throughout the day, look out for Jesus. See Him. Focus on Him. Let Him into the everyday thing you do and say and think. Then let's see something change in our lives. Let's see us bow down to this mighty King that we just worshipped this morning. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let us pray. we pause this morning do you know what's going on in your mind how busy is it how busy is your thinking right now how busy is your doing how busy is your talk can God drop a word just a word in your heart this morning has he dropped a word in your heart this morning? If all he can do this morning is to just shift our focus again on Christ, then this morning has been a good day for us. I speak into our situations this morning. I speak into our troubles this morning. We are there. They will be there. But I'm asking you to allow the troubles to take its rightful size and let God be magnified this morning in your life. Larger than your situation. Larger than your circumstances. Larger than everything that you're carrying right now. Let God be magnified. Isn't that worship? when God is magnified. Be magnified this morning, Lord. Be magnified this morning. Be magnified all across the sanctuary this morning. Be magnified in our hearts this morning, Lord, as we worship you. Lord.